Today, we have invited Megan Bliss to join us on our podcast. Megan Bliss is a certified nurse practitioner and a human health and hormone consultant. She uses her innovative Handle Your Hormones programs in a group or one-on-one format to help women become the healthiest and happiest versions of themselves. Today, she shares with us a little about her story of growing up in rural Utah and doing rodeo, and how she has passed that legacy down to her kids. Next week, we dive deeper into what she does now, helping driven women optimize their hormones without unnecessary medications or radical surgery so they can live a life they confidently love. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. We have Megan Bliss, nurse practitioner with us, and we are going to be asking her a little bit about her story, as well as a little bit about what she does with women's hormones. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So to get started, I am going to read off of Megan's website and just share a little bit about her. Megan Bliss is a private high-level health consultant based in Utah. She works with stay-at-home moms, athletes, as well as busy professional working mamas like herself. As an integrative medical provider and board-certified family nurse practitioner, Megan brings nearly 20 years of experience working in the health industry to you. For those who are in the state of Utah, she's able to guide you through her programs as a licensed nurse practitioner in her Live Bliss Health LLC practice. As a functionally trained health consultant, Megan is now able to serve clients all over the country and the world using her innovative Handle Your Hormones programs in either group or one-on-one format. This is for those who are passionate about becoming the healthiest and happiest version of themselves as a hormone health consultant using processes that have worked for hundreds of clients all over the world. So that's pretty awesome stuff you've got going on. So how many years have you been doing this, Megan? So I have been a nurse practitioner for just over 10 years at this point um, in 2023. And the first five years of my practice, I worked in family care and I was just seeing the usual run-of-the-mill family practice things, you know, sore throats, sicknesses, stuff like that. Did a lot of chronic illness treatment as well. And I would have so many women come to me because I feel like us as women, we relate more and can identify with a woman. And I would have so many women come into my office and they'd sit on my exam table and they would say, I feel terrible. I don't know what it is. I am exhausted. I don't feel good. I feel like something is off in my body. And lo and behold, I was feeling that way as well. So I totally believed them and I would run every single test that I could find. And there was just nothing that would give good answers for these women. Yeah. We, occasionally we'd have some low vitamin D, but that wouldn't help much. And it was just super, super frustrating for these women and myself included. And so it was definitely a, a personal thing too for me to try and figure this out. And it, it took me a while to, because conventionally trained, I did not get more of the, what, what we would call integrative functional training, uh, into hormones, more lifestyle habits, stuff like that, uh, in my conventional training, that's just not taught in traditional medicine type schooling. And so it really took investing and 
studying into deeper, more unconventional practices in order to find something that not only helped me, but has helped a lot of other people. And so that was about five years ago was when I started diving more into that realm. It's been over five years at this point, but it's, it's been super fun to just really hone in on something that I'm passionate about. And I've noticed be a big key factor for a lot of women. That's awesome. Seems like when you find things that, like you said, that you're going through as well, it really makes you dig that much deeper and really just get, get into all the cracks and crevices of everything you need to learn to, to solve it. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It definitely puts a personal little cattle prod underneath your rear (laughs) end to get something figured out. (laughs) <laughs> well, and I love that you are actually trying to figure it out. Cause I just hear so often like doctors just don't listen or nurse practitioners just don't listen. It's a, oh, well, you're a woman or you're a mom or you're a girl going yes. through puberty. You're supposed to feel this way. Sorry. you know. And so yeah, I love that you're taking that. That's how we're trained. And then like just the conventional appointment uh, model is I remember because I was cranking through at least 30 patients in a day and trying to help these people. And I had limited time. I did not have control over my schedule. And I was like, okay, what is going to be a win for them? What's going to make them feel better? And then usually at that point, it was just symptom suppression. And what medication can I attach to that symptom to hopefully help them have a little bit of relief? And so it's just, yeah, it's just broken. It's just a broken system. Yeah, it really is. It's so frustrating. I have a long history of stuff like that. And it's just, it's the most aggravating thing to me when we're trying to get labs for clients and their doctors just refuse to, to give them labs or go, you don't need this. Like, yes, actually they do, because I'm seeing a bigger picture than you are and they need this. (laughs) They need this to be looked at. Um, so I love that you have taken that and you're, you've built something just amazing out of it. I'm really excited to learn more. So now that we've teased a little bit about what you do and all the things that we want to dive into, I want to backtrack just a little bit. And I want you to tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how you grew up. Um, Just give us a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, I when I was asked to come talk on this, uh, I, I know Camry because she is a horsewoman and I am as well. That's, that's what I am. And so I told her talking horses and hormones, that is like my ultimate dream cut podcast interview. So yeah, super awesome. So anyways, my background, I grew up very small town, Utah, uh, central Utah called in a little area called Delta. I was even outside of Delta, even smaller than that and tiny, tiny town. So where I grew up and we moved to that town when I was about eight years old. And that's when we finally had enough property to be able to start getting horses. My mom has always been very passionate about horses. She grew up uh, farming with her dad. Uh, She never really competed, but she farmed with her dad and rode horses. And my dad rode on the desert with his dad. So it's just definitely part of my background. And so about eight years old, we finally were able to get our own horses. And that's when I started competing in like 4-H, small barrel races, stuff like that. And that's where I, I was a very unconfident little girl, we'll say. It just, I didn't find my realm as far as sports went. I was the child that so, that stood on the soccer field. And instead of pursuing the soccer ball, I was picking the dandelions because it just did not spark 
my interest. And so I, I just had that love of horses and that love of that field. And when I was about 10 years old is when I kind of, it was when we purchased my, what I would term heart horse, you know, that horse that just lives in your heart. His name was Tomahawk. He was a small little paint, little spitfire, like maybe 13, two hands, like just a little guy, little guy. And he would buck my brothers off and uh, but he loved me and we clicked so well and we competed well. We ended up winning several saddles and lots of buckles and trophies and all of that. And he was just, he was my heart horse. He ended up passing away when I was about 17 years old and it just broke my heart. But yeah, that's a little bit about my background. I love that you're a horse girl too. It's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious though, just, just from that little snippet of your story, what do you feel like made you want to compete in the horse world versus, cause it doesn't seem like you were very competitive in any other thing. Um, and that didn't come naturally to you. So what do you feel like made the difference when you started competing with your horse? I kind of feel like it was just those small little wins that I would have along the way. You know, I'd, I would compete in a little 4-H show and I'd get like second place in one of the events. And that kind of sparked a little bit more of like, okay, let's dive in a little bit deeper. Let's get a little bit better. And so I feel like that's where it started. Just those little wins, which we know in life, those little wins just kind of motivate us to get going forward. And, and I feel like that's where it helped me because it was just me solely. And like my team wasn't relying on me you know? And so it was like my responsibility and I didn't, I, I wasn't responsible for somebody else's failure. And I think that really was hard for me was like trying to do a team sport and feeling like I was the failure on the team. So those little small wins being an individual and I could take responsibility for myself. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so it seems yeah. like there's maybe just a little bit of anxiety there for you when, when there was more people involved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that almost sounds like a turning point in your confidence as well from what it sounds like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So my, and, and this is one thing, like I, I compete, I did all those small town stuff in middle school, stuff like that. And then in high school transitioned to more of the high school rodeo realm. And I, I think if I would have given up being competing, my confidence would have completely been in the tank. Me and my husband have talked about this a lot because he struggles with self-confidence too. And he didn't have that going through high school, he ended up getting a knee injury, couldn't play baseball in high school. And he noticed that not being able to participate in a sport or something, that's when his confidence really started tanking. And I was able to compete throughout high school. And I think that helped me who probably naturally has less confidence, sustain and build and grow and have a lot of failing forward and those small little wins to kind of keep me going, all of that. I love that. So you were talking or referring a little bit to um, when you stopped competing. So that was right around after you graduated high school. Yeah. So when I graduated high school, my horse that I had competed on through high school, because Tomahawk was a little old, I didn't, wasn't able to, I competed a little bit on him throughout high school, but I was using my mom's horse at that time. Cause that's just what moms do. They pass their good horses down to 
their children. It's now what has happened in my household, but I, so I was competing on my mom's horse and she had a arthritic knee from an injury when she was young. And so by the time I graduated, she was just not feeling good. And so I decided not to pursue the college rodeo side of things and decided to just focus on my schooling. So I took a, I took a good 12 year, 15, 12 to 15 year break of consistently writing and it was a struggle getting back on like I took it took a minute for me to like regain my composure with it being back on a horse but but it's been good it's been really good I love that we hear that a lot from people who take breaks where it takes a minute to like rebuild that confidence and be like okay what am I doing do you want to talk a little bit more about that because we do have a lot of people who who comment and go how can I how can I rebuild this so what did you do or what helped you the most when you were getting back into horses to, to just feel a little bit more confident in yourself and like being back in this world? Um, I feel like, cause I wasn't sure that I really wanted to be back in the world, but my oldest daughter was like, when are we getting horses? When are we getting horses? When are we getting, and she was just relentless with it. She has a deep, deep love of animals. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, Okay. And I had a frank conversation with my husband and I was like, Hey, this is a commitment financially, emotionally time. Like this is a commitment. And he was all for it. And so having that push from her helped me be like, okay, we're, we're doing this. We're doing this. And then I, and I really feel like my health was a big factor because when I was in my slump of just feeling crummy, the thoughts of adding in more like riding consistently, saddling five horses, you know, like all of that sounded so daunting to me. And I have worked with a lot of horsewomen too, who they had had babies, their balance was off, you know, and they just didn't feel confident, couldn't get back into shape and just figuring out their health issues was able to help catalyze their ability to literally get back in the saddle and regain their confidence and not feel as skittish with being on these wonderful animals. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, we we have a lot of people who are in that stage of like, oh my gosh, how do we get back in? And I think it's really helpful for them to hear from somebody who has taken that long of a break and has come back and is like, hey, this is what we're doing. I am, I do love that your husband was all in because we have talked a little bit about our husbands who are not necessarily as enthusiastic <laughs> about us being the horsewomen that we are. Um, what do you feel like for him was a big change? Was it having your daughter as into it or was he pretty excited to get into the horse world himself? He, he's got a deep love of animals regardless. And so I feel like that was like, okay, the foundation is laid. Like he loves animals. So at least there's that little spark, but then yes, my daughter. So my daughter struggled with anxiety, which long family history on my husband's side of anxiety. And at when she was in first grade, it got to a tipping point and we ultimately decided to put her on medication and it was a real hard thing for us. Sorry, getting emotional, even though it's been a while. It was a hard thing for me because I didn't want to have to put my daughter on a medication that was probably going to be a long-term thing. And But yet, on the other side, I hated seeing how she felt. And her, her mind was just in constant turmoil. And so 
I knew based on my history, I mean, there's so much data out there about equine therapy and all of that. And so I knew that getting, getting her on horses and she wanted that so bad. And she liked me and tried all the other sports and just did not find her, her spot. And so we knew that it was going to be worth the investment for us to get those horses and to nurture her love of horses. And, um, and that, that's been an amazing thing. She's been able to wean off of her medication. She hasn't been on it for the last three years and she's done well through middle school. And I don't know about you guys, but middle school is terrible for me. So she's done really well confidence wise throughout middle school. And I know that so much of that has to do with the bond she has with her horses and just what, what being a horsewoman is. So yeah, that's what I think really tipped it. And then, I mean, my husband has said several times, he's goes, man, I just kind of feel gypped that I didn't have this as a childhood. Like I, he, he's happy to go out and do the tours and support us. He doesn't go to everything and know all the ins and outs. No, but, but he's a good support system. Oh, I love that. And so cool to see that growth from your daughter. Cause uh, like, I feel like, um, as a parent, it can often feel very daunting to have your kid go through an experience like that. And to feel like this is their life, like, and I'm making this choice for their life and they're this young, but to be able to see her grow so much and be able to change that aspect of her life. That's amazing. I love that. And it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, like on our end, it's like, yeah, makes sense that she was able to do so much improvement with her mental health as a child from having, and I think just having something externally that's not electronic to focus on, you know, and to take care of and to worry about, I think it's so good for kids to have that responsibility. 100%. 100% agree with that for sure. Yeah. I mean, just the responsibility itself, but even just using your hands, using your mind to try and help problem solve with this animal and, and help them figure out this game or a, you know, a pattern, a barrel pattern or something else that they're doing. It it really gets them to use their brain, use their hands, use their body, um, which I think is awesome. And it's just seeing the full circle thing where your horse helped you with your confidence when you were young and then seeing the same thing happen with your daughter. Like that's, it's just really cool to see that full circle connection with you guys. And and even like what horse is she riding right now? Isn't it one that's related to the one that you rode? Yeah. So my mom's horse that I rode in high school, uh, that I did high school rodeo on diamond was her name. And what my daughter, one of the horses that my daughter's competing on right now is actually a daughter. Well, two of the horses that my daughter's competing on right now are daughters of the one that I rodeoed on. And the, a cool thing that happened was when my oldest was born that morning, uh, my mom received a phone call about like 30 minutes after I had delivered Hayden, my oldest. And it was my little sister saying, Hey, Diamond had her baby. So same exact birthday. And so my mom ended up naming that horse after my daughter. Uh, so my daughter's name is Hayden Millie. And so they named the horse Millie and my mom raised Millie and trained her. And then earlier this year was like, I think it's meant to be here. You got to, you get to start competing on her and they have done so well. It's just a really cool thing. 
like yeah let's talk about written in the stars right there right <laughs> that relationship yeah. holy cow <laughs> yeah I love that all the connections man that's so cool I know now it makes me like how do I like continue this you know <laughs> get some embryos eggs what do I do to get I, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole but there's part of me that's like I feel like I gotta continue this right how cool would that be if you yeah. have like a granddaughter in the future, it could be Millie's granddaughter or daughter. Right. You know? How cool would that be? <laughs> so when did you start into your nursing career? So I knew in high school. So in high school, I was between being a dental hygienist and a nurse. My grandpa was a dentist. So of course that like was in the back of my mind, maybe I'll be a dental hygienist. And then I went to an appointment with my dental hygienist, his hygienist. And I was like, what would you do? She goes, if I could do it all over again, I'd go to nursing school. And I'm just, I guess that impressionable. I was like, okay. And so I just went into nursing school. So I don't really have like this profound experience that was a flipping point for me going into nursing school, other than I feel like I was led that way for a reason. And so right out of high school, just dove into college, graduated from nursing school with my bachelor's when I was 21. And uh, then I just took a couple years. I worked in several different avenues with nursing. I did medical surgical, I did orthopedics, I worked acute care, ER, ICU, NICU type of stuff for a while. And then one night I was just kind of crazy and was like, huh, maybe I'll go to grad school. And it was back before nurse practitioners were really very common knowledge. Uh, and cause this was like 12, 13 years ago, something like that. And I was like, Oh, I'll just apply. Might as well, might as well apply. And so I did it and ended up, I had no idea to be honest, what I was getting myself into. I did not understand the responsibility of a nurse practitioner. I did not understand any of that, but I really feel like I was led on that path for a reason. And so I finished NP school and then went into family care and, I think when you get done with your college education, sometimes you think you've got your whole life planned out and mapped out. And it's just amazing how many shifts and little bumps in the road that redirect you. I, I call them divine detours. I have had so many divine detours in my professional career, but yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. My mom actually was a nurse practitioner as well. Um, and I think it's, it's a, something that I think people are drawn to when they just enjoy helping people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's a big part of that part of people's personalities that draws them to being a nurse practitioner, because that's one thing that I would say would define my mom was that she just loved helping other people. So, and yeah. I see that a lot in you. So. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's, it's like my favorite thing when I hear that somebody has something has improved in somebody's life because of something that I told them you know it's like oh I meant to be here thank you <laughs> yes you get all the feel good feelings yes. for sure so I'm just curious because like um with your little intro and your story when did you start to feel like being a nurse practitioner may not be the best fit for you it was probably when I was stuck in that family care, like seeing 30 patients a day. And while I still felt like it was 
what I needed to do versus working in the ER. I had a there when I was pregnant with my second, I was working, I was a, a float nurse is what it was. And I would float to the different units, but I was working as a supervisor at the hospital I was working at at the time. And I was in charge to kind of go to traumas and stuff like that. And a trauma came in and it was a three-year-old and I had a three-year-old at home and the three-year-old did not make it. And it devastated me, devastated me. And I was like, okay, I'm hundred percent certain, like I need to go down a different avenue. And that's a beautiful thing about nursing is there's so many different avenues that you can take. You are not locked into any one thing. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about it. Cause there's some of those adrenaline junkies that it's a glorious thing for. And I, we saw life light take off last weekend and my husband was like, oh yeah, that's, I, I like, he's more of an adrenaline junkie than I am. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have no desire to be on a life flight helicopter, be in the nurse. No, no desire whatsoever. So I knew, even though I was stressed out seeing 30 patients a day, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. And it was a stepping stone to really getting into what I was ultimately meant to do in my profession. I think I'm meant to be a mom. I'm meant to be here, but there's also a part of me that's meant to have a, a different, not a better, but a different impact in the world besides outside of motherhood, you know? So it, it really took, I, I ended up stumbling across a hormone conference, a local pharmacy had invited a bunch of practitioners to go learn about hormones because there's been a lot of misconception about hormones over the years from different studies that were botched. And so I was like, oh yeah, so many women ask about their hormones and I test them and everything comes back normal. And I just don't think that's the case. And so going to this conference was really like a light bulb moment. Oh my gosh, there's a whole other world out there and I've got so much more learning to do. And so that was really the catalyst for me to make a little bit of a professional shift. I love that. So this hormone, was it a course or like a seminar? Sorry. It was a conference. It was like, it was a several day conference and we would attend classes and learn about different things. And then they would have options on, um, it, we'd get our certificate at the end of the conference. So we attended that conference. We had a small certification, but then there was like, okay, you can start learning more down this Avenue, this Avenue or another Avenue. And so I, I kind of went down all the avenues. <laughs> I, love I love it. Okay. That's cool. So was that something, um, that conference, was that just something that you were drawn to or did you like hear about it in a certain way? I'm just curious there. Yeah, no, a, a local pharmacy invited us and I had no idea about it, but because they had a product, you know, that they wanted practitioners to be able to utilize and so, uh, hormonally. And so they wanted practitioners to feel more confident and educated on it. And so they invited us and it was, it was a wonderful thing. And I had done a lot of inner work at that point. You know, I had, I had revamped my lifestyle. I was no longer just eating Oreos and chocolate milk for my nutrition. Cause inner Megan is totally a five-year-old as far as my eating behaviors are. I could totally just eat ramen noodles mac and cheese, Oreos, chocolate milk, and feel like I was fine because I, I was not much of a vegetable eater or anything like that. And so I had already done a lot of 
self-work, started exercising, worked on my nutrition, worked on I mindset. I had worked on personal development, all of that, but I knew that there was just something else I was missing. And then when I was introduced to the hormone realm of things, I was like, ah, this is it. This is it. And this is something that I can help people with. I love that. The missing piece to your puzzle right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I'm actually really curious how your motherhood journey through this has shaped a lot of that because I know you've had your kids um is, is it was it during nursing school that you had so your you kids or was tell, it after you can tell when either me or my husband has graduated from something because then it can become <laughs> shortly after so my oldest I had finished nursing school and then later that year got pregnant with my oldest had her and then was settling into life pregnancies are terrible for me throughout the entire time. I, I, I get pregnancy depression, not postpartum depression. I feel like a shell of a human during pregnancies. So pregnancies are very hard. It takes me a long time to wrap my mind around having another one. And then I decided when she was a year old, I decided to go back to NP school. So, uh, I did that while she was a toddler. And then I graduated from that. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to wait a couple months and then I'm going to get pregnant. Uh, but jokes on me. I was, I ended up getting pregnant earlier than I wanted to and was puking in a trash can as I was taking my nurse practitioner boards. Highly do not recommend that to people who struggle with emesis issues during pregnancy not fun, but that's, it was my story and it was fine anyways. So I had that second one. And then my husband, I, we decided for him to go to PA school. And so I was working full-time, had the two kids. Uh, life was very stressful at that time while he was going through school. Uh, and so it was finally about a year after he was done that we had our third and I had ups and downs with how I felt. And I, you know, I'd feel great after having the baby for a few months. And then I'd feel like I'm slumping back down, stressed out. I felt fluffy and just not good. And so I knew that those hormone shifts had a lot to do with things. And with breastfeeding, you know, there's that whole wives tell out there that, oh, if you breastfeed, you're just going to drop all the weight. Well, (laughs) not me. I tend to gain everything that everybody else is dropping off while breastfeeding. It just packs right on me. So I had the opposite effect of what traditionally is told. And so I was like, hormones, oh my gosh, they have a lot to do with our metabolism as well as just our mental well-being and uh, how we feel energy-wise. And so that that was kind of part of that whole building block process of knowing that there was something missing in my life. Yeah. I feel like you don't really understand the full impact of hormones and their fluctuations on your life until you become a mom (laughs) and you go through pregnancy and all the postpartum stuff. And then it's like, okay, I understood it to a point because, you know, you have your cycle every month, but man, it just gets really real when you get having kids. It's. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then there's like, like Michaela said at the beginning, like, oh, you're just a mom or, oh, that's the way it is. And it's just, we're just supposed to apparently brush it under the rug, like just suck it up buttercup and deal with it. It's just the way life is. But 
no, that's not the way it is. And I, I see the same thing with women who have struggled with fertility and their fluctuating hormones with either fertility treatments or infertility and how they feel their total well-being too. And then that's, that's not even to even begin addressing the whole perimenopausal phase, menopause, all of that. But I feel like that's a little bit more in the limelight about hormone fluctuations than the younger eras, you know, but perimenopause still has a lot of misconceptions around perimenopause, which are about the 10 to 15 years leading up to menopause. I think a lot of midlife crises happen during there. Women think that their life is terrible when really just fixing their hormones could bring more joy to their life. And they might like their husbands a little bit more. Right. They might get along a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> No, there, there's so much, um, that hormones do play a role in just women in general, right? Like our overall health, just like you're saying, and it's something like even me, I've been doing some mentorships, learning about hormones and things for my clients this year. I've got quite a few perimenopausal and menopausal ladies that I'm working with a few gals who are getting pregnant, you know, like, so there's just a lot of things that go into that, that, yeah, you just don't know about like, just, just in general, right? Like I, it's not like I grew up knowing like, oh, Hey, this isn't normal. Like being in the fetal position for cramps, that's not normal. Like you should not be in pain. (laughs) Yeah. I went and talked to a youth group, uh, like probably six months ago. And in that I said, girls, gals, you know, they were all like middle school, high school age. And I was like, did you know, it is not sure it is common, but it is not normal to have terrible cramping during your cycles. And this one girl went and her mouth just dropped. Yeah, no, I felt that for real. Cause I mean, I, I didn't really end up having cramps until I started having some severe issues in my health. And then all of a sudden I was cramping. I had horrible bleeding and all of these things. And it was just like, what the heck? But when you, when I went to doctors, it was always like, yeah, well, you're on your period sorry, like sucks for you, you know, take some ibuprofen. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it really broke my trust going to the doctor. You know, like my husband has to drag me to the doctor nowadays because I'm like, I'm not (laughs) going, like, they're just going to pat me on the head and it's just, it's just going to be dumb. But being able to really lean into and learn about hormones, it's, it's crazy how much you can, like even just the lifestyle factors, like just the little lifestyle factors that you can change and how that benefits or changes how your hormones respond. Oh, huge, huge. And I think that is totally underestimated because we go, we detour to these lifestyle changes most of the time for weight loss. And so, and that's really, for me, hormone balancing, weight loss associated with hormone balancing is a cherry on the top, you know, like, Hey, yay. That's exciting because yes, hormones affect our metabolism for sure. Cause they're the most powerful chemical messengers in our body. And there's so many at play and so many fluctuations in us women's lives at all the stages of life that so much can happen there. But if there's one thing that I would want women to know, it is that just because something's common, like cramping, like feeling tired after becoming a mom does not mean it's normal. And more so just because something is normal, like traditional lab work does not mean it's optimal. And that's where I would 
really want women to be seeking is optimize. Like let's optimize how you feel. Let's optimize your, your ability to navigate things. Yes. <laughs> like mic yeah. drop right there. Optimal. <laughs> optimal. Not common, not normal, but let's just optimal. Let's, let's shoot for the stars there. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I would have known you when I was like 15 or 16 or known about. Yeah, (laughs) I wish I would have known these things when I was a teenager because it would have shifted a lot of the things that I do now. It it just would have shifted and I could have avoided a lot of feeling terrible. But, you know, until you know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, when I was young, I want to say I was 15, it might have been 16, uh, my cramps were so bad, I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't go to school, like I couldn't walk, and it was just horrible, horrible cramping, and just my cycles would be like 14 days long, and then they would like just all over the place, and so I was on the pill from when I was. I was and you were probably told that the only way to fix that is just go on birth control. Yep. And they, it, it was nothing about like, okay, certain things you can do in your lifestyle to help these things. And it was just, here's the bandaid. Mm-hmm. And I was on that for years and years. And I, yeah, it's crazy now seeing it's like crazy. what it's done to my hormones after having kids and where my hormones are now. I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably because of being on the pill for so many years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can take a minute to claw yourself out of that hole. And I mean, that's not saying birth control is nobody should be on birth control. Cause you know, we need our agency. We need to be able to plan our families, but there needs to be a lot more education surrounding what birth controls can do to your hormones. Yes. They might fix the symptoms temporarily, but long-term effects, all of that, it can, it can really affect things for the long-term for sure. Yeah, no. Yeah, it just, it affects a lot more. And it's crazy that we're not educated around that, right? Like we've all just been handed, Hey, just take these. Okay. Bye. Um, I have a client we've been, I've been working with for a little bit over a year and she just got handed some birth control pills and oh my goodness, has it messed her up just from like literally day one. It was like, Hey, do you realize all the symptoms you're having are all the side effects of these pills? And let's, yeah. let's talk about this. Like just, just educating, like, and, and having that bird's eye view of like, okay, but there's other options, you know, like we don't, yes. it doesn't have to be this and, and done. Right. Like there's so many other options out there and I feel like we just need to be educated. So oh, yeah, going along with that, just because you have that background in the medical field as well, why do you feel like we're not educated around hormones as women? Oh yeah. That's a loaded question. Um, I do feel like, I mean, obviously a lot of our education comes from the school system and relying on the school systems to teach that likely isn't our best avenue, you know, and then there's the whole sex education side of things and all of that, but also the whole family planning side of things and making it so that unwanted births aren't as prevalent. So it's totally this giant spectrum of where are the cracks in the system. And there are so many cracks that they have all rippled out. And, and then going back to the healthcare side of things, 
you know, it's, I'm taught, I was taught traditionally, okay, somebody's got PCOS, you look it up, the, the treatment processes come down to put them on birth control to, here's my air quotes, regulate their cycle for a few months. Like there's these total myths that are passed down. It usually takes 10 to 15 years for medical training to catch up with anything new. And that's part of that is making sure that the science is there behind it, but also medicine is so rapidly progressing that it's like, oh, things need to shift faster. But I also get the whole, we got to make sure that there's science behind something before we implement it in our universities or whatever. So there's a, there's a crack at the teaching level. Then there's a crack at the clinic level where us as providers, if we're a traditional medical clinic, we're not given very much time with a patient. We are pretty much given a t- enough time to go through the top three complaints and say, okay, we could either move down diagnostic testing, do some testing, or here's a couple prescriptions, send in a prescription. There's just not enough time to really do the education behind it. And another thing that that comes down to is insurance reimbursement. When I was in that model, I was employed by somebody, just hourly rate, all of that. So I didn't understand this side of things, but the reason why providers are pushed to see that many people in a day is just because insurance reimbursement is very, very minimal. Insurance will reimburse thousands of dollars on a surgery that takes a couple of hours, but on an office visit and maybe 80 bucks for an office visit. So really a provider has to spend, has to like crank through the patients to be able to cover their overhead, hire staff, all of that. So it's just, there's a huge crack in that system uh, as far as the education part goes. And then just women just don't even know. Yeah, exactly. I know. Cause like, as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, well, we can't really expect our school systems to cover that and everything else. We can't expect our doctors to cover that because of everything that they have to push. So then it's like, okay, but then at home, we don't know what we're doing, right? Like we, like, I have no idea what's going on. We just know, okay, we bleed once a month and you're supposed to probably have cramps. That's normal. Suck it up, go to school, do do your thing. Um, So that is interesting, like an interesting problem to have to solve now, you know, like try to figure out how can we educate our younger generation girls coming up to just realize you guys don't have to be miserable all the time. Like that's, it's not, it doesn't have to be a normal part of life. And that's what I, I, I now being on my own business wise, I have put my, my business around programs where it's 90% education 10% protocol so that it's the education factor is behind there. I get a lot of people still who are like, okay, here's my test results. Tell me what to take. And it's so much less about what to take and more about how to implement in your life. So I fully believe in the whole educational process. And so I do a lot of recorded training, stuff like that. A birth control mini program is on my list for 2024, which I'm really excited about that one. And, and, and one thing that I tell all of my 
program or group members is I'm hoping this is a ripple effect. Like you'll learn this and you'll be able to, if you've got daughters at home, you will be able to tell her, teach her and be able to keep progressing forward with this so that it doesn't just get stuck with you. I love that. I love how you're taking that and you're filling a need. Like you've, you've recognized that there's these huge holes and these huge cracks, like you're saying, and you're filling those cracks up with, with your programming and with what you're willing to teach people. It's it's hard because it's, it's not the traditional, like I said, a lot of people are like, okay, here's the result. Tell me what to take. And that, like I said, that's such a sliver. And I want to be delicate with how I say, I could spend an hour with you and we might cover this much. But what you really need is a full spectrum of things. So really that full approach is a lot better than just spending an hour with me and me telling you, take this prescription, take this supplement. And that's it. That, that really doesn't benefit that person as a whole. No, I agree. I'm very, I'm very big into how can we change your lifestyle? How can we make this an everlasting thing? So we're not dealing with this all the time or so whatever you're taking isn't taking over what your body can naturally do, right? Like let's, let's make this a change. Um, I had a question and it lost. So let's go to Camry. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that I think is really neat because I have actually worked with both of you guys professionally um, and both of your guys's programs are extremely whole human whole body lifestyle based and that's what I think is so so important about anything we do in our lives you know whether it's our health whether it's our physical you know our activities that we do our horsemanship you know, thinking of the whole horse, the whole human, your entire lifestyle, your energy, like all of those things, it is all part, they're all little tiny pieces of this huge big picture. So it's, it's been fun working with both of you guys, because I just love how similar your, uh, (laughs) your ways of looking at things are. It's, it's very helpful. I actually worked with both of you actually at the same time. So (laughs) it worked very well. And that's a beautiful thing, having people. And that's, I think, a big key too is having a team of people that you can go to for what their area of genius is, you know? And I think some people like pelvic floor therapy, I think is such a vital thing for a lot of women who have had babies. Is that an area you want to come to me for? No, but I am the first to tell you it is a hugely important thing. Physical trainer, nutrition, you know, there's, there's a, it's so good to have a, a whole, I I call it a round table, you know, of your life. If you were to walk into this boardroom and think about the women you want at your round table, and you might have somebody who's kind of your moral compass. You might have somebody who is your health guru. You might have somebody who is like your physical steam engine, but I think it's so important for women to have that backing. And I, and especially as horsewomen, I was, you sparked a thought in my head. I'm in several business masterminds and one of them, there's actually a lot of vets in that veterinary doctors in that mastermind with me. And one of them, her program is the whole writer. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, she's, she's an awesome lady. So. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. And I love what you're saying, like looking at it as, as that big round table, I call it the tribe. Like we want to build our tribe of people and it is okay to have this tribe and it is okay to rely on each other and to ask questions and to learn and to, not do everything on your own. That is something I'm always like preaching is it's like, you don't have to do this on your own. Like 
you can, but it's going to take you so much time. Like, or if you had somebody like Megan on your team, like, there you go. You got your hormones taken care of. You're going to feel really good. You know, if you got someone like me on your team, it's going to be, Hey, let's, let's fix your lifestyle factors. Let's get you strong. Let's get you feeling good. You have Camry on your team. You're going to be able to handle any horse issues that you might be having. You know, like there's, there's just so much that you could propel yourself forward. If you allow yourself to have a drive and you allow yourself to lean on other women. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's huge. And going back to like my almost origin story, you know, I didn't want to rely on other people. And I think that's a very common thing that a lot of, uh, more rural horse women type, we, we don't, we're independent women and relying on other people for help is like asking us to shave our cheek off. And it is a very hard pill to swallow, but having that boardroom and having those that collective amount of brain power that you can pull from to push you to be a better human is an amazing thing. Yeah, exactly. And you can just you can go so much further with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> it would just be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of your story, there's one piece that I want to hear more details on, which is I want to hear about your exit from the traditional nurse practitioner field into what you're doing now. That will wrap up part one of this interview. If you would like to hear the rest of Megan's story and dive deeper with us into the human hormone side of the conversation, subscribe to our channel and click the bell icon so you will be notified when part two of Megan's interview airs. Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.